Hello, sweet sisters, and welcome to Cosmic Conceptions, a place where we acknowledge that women are of nature and the stars. My name is Athena, and I'll be your guide as we explore esoteric transmissions on fertility astrology, conscious conceptions, women's health, and more. Here we will not shy away from the radical, the controversial, or the spiritual. So grab your tea, and let's get cosmic. beautiful women. Welcome to today's episode of the podcast. I am going to be sharing with you an audio recording of my personal fertile transit report for 2024. So this originally aired in the Cosmic Conception Diaries, where you can also access the video recording of this reading. So the the screen will be able to show you or the video will be able to show you what my fertile transit report looks like on screen, as well as what my chart looks like, and what some of those transits actually look like in the chart. So if you're really into um, kind of learning more about what it looks like to be reading these charts, uh, that might be a fun resource for you. And there's also PDFs in that diary entry that show you my actual written transit report. So that will be linked to in the show notes. And of course, if you want to become a paying supporter of the work here on the podcast and the Substack, you can click the link in the show notes. The rate is now only $8 a month. If you want to know why, you can back up a little bit and listen to the first podcast episode of the year, which was about the 2024 uh, cosmic forecast for us all. In the show notes of that report, you will also be able to access the really amazing PDF of that report, as well as kind of like a mini guide on how to navigate those transits for fertility within that PDF. And you can also access a link to the virtual calendar. Uh, So you'll be able to copy and paste that link into your Google Calendar, Apple Calendar, whatever you're using, and have all of these transits, the wheel of the year dates, the moon events, lunar events, uh, all at your fingertips uh, and fully integrated into your real life earthling calendar. Uh, And yes, and in that episode, I also talk a little bit more about the changes that are happening in my life and why I've decided to lower the monthly subscription price to support this show to $8. Uh, And I also want to remind you that you can cancel that at any time. So to be totally honest with you, if you just want to like subscribe so that you can access the bonus content for one of these episodes and then unsubscribe, that's totally fine too. Um, I do want to thank Megan and Lori for supporting, becoming supporters of the show since we all last spoke here. So thank you women so much. Thank you to all the women who are currently supporting the show and the Substack. It really, really, really means uh, a lot to me. So yes, on to today's episode. Uh, Like I said, this is going to be an audio recording of my fertile transit report for the year ahead. So the big question is, am I going to conceive this year? Every year, I sort of ask myself the same question. And the interesting thing about how I went into this report is that I've sort of arrived at this interesting place where I almost don't care anymore about having another baby that 
feels really weird to admit out loud. But something has happened recently in which I sort of shifted it from this state of frantic desire and almost like like maniacal like like just wanting and yearning and stressing about when is my life going to come together and when am I going to finally be able to have a second baby and all these thoughts and then I entered into the practice and the art of surrender emotional surrender and letting go completely actually truly letting go which of course has been a practice uh, and I will probably talk more about what that looks like, has looked like for me in the future. But three months into this practice and it was almost like I woke up one day and just realized, huh, like I almost don't really want another baby I, or I don't care about having another baby. Like I just, I feel nothing. I feel totally peacefully present with my current child and family. And it's just not entirely up to me. These things aren't always entirely up to us. It's bringing a life into this earth is a multidimensional experience. Um, And, you know, divine timing is at play here and personal growth is at play here. And honestly, the the soul agenda of my next child is also at play here. Uh, And so it was nice to um, step into this exploration of my fertile transits from this position of total peace about what could be. And when you enter into the playing field with that attitude, it makes everything a lot more fun and a lot more interesting. So I thought I would bring this onto the podcast because oftentimes when I send women fertile transit reports, it's not uncommon for me to get questions about, okay, so does that mean I shouldn't try to conceive this month? Does this mean that these negatives or these transits are bad and they're negative and I should avoid them at all costs and this kind of stuff? And I want to be super clear that the point of doing this work and the point of providing this knowledge to you is not so that we can have further reason to pathologize our experience or create fear in our lives, right? This is supposed to be a fun, cosmic, co-created, witchy, mystical, wise woman experience, all right? I don't want to bring more fear and pathology into your journey. That's not the point. Um, And so I hope that by listening to me walk through my year through the lens of fertility transits that you get to hear about what it can sound like, what the dialogue can sound like when we are playfully looking at how we might want to co-create with these energies. And of course, my vision and my plan and my ideas for how this might go can very easily end immediately collapse into the unknown and rebirth as something that I could have never imagined it would actually look like. So we also have to be open to that as well, right? So again, if you're interested in co-creating a cosmic conception with your fertile moon phase, with harmonious and disharmonious transits, with the eclipse portals, with the transit of miscarriage being present, uh, and even navigating karmic activations, then this is going to be an interesting episode for you. 
So without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and hit play and let you enjoy the show. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to part 12 of the Cosmic Conception Diaries. As we entered into the new year, I thought it would be fun and appropriate to look ahead at my own fertility transits to see what might be in store for me this year. The The irony of me doing all of these fertile transit reports for you ladies is that I actually have not done one for myself. I track my cycles and I track my ovulation dates and I track my fertile moon phases, But other than that, I really haven't stepped back and looked at the bigger picture of what's going on in my chart. And part of the reason for that is because, as you know, I haven't really been in a harmonious circumstantial position to be calling in a conception, to be making myself available to that. And so I almost felt like, you know, what is the point? (laughs) What is the point of me looking at all these transits um, and getting super attached to potential windows of opportunity when I know full well that I'm not going to be actually opening myself up to receive that conception um, anytime soon. Or actually, that's not true, you know, potentially soon. Um, But it's all sort of up to divine timing, right? I'm working on my manifestation practice and fine-tuning so many other deeper realms of my psyche that have to do with why my life and my circumstances look the way that they do. And until those circumstances change, um, yeah, my fertility journey is not going to enter into the next season, which is going to be more actively preparing my physical body for conception and then entering after that into a season of openly um, inviting a conception to to complete. So, so yeah, but you know, there is, of course, every year there's lots of potential and a lot of things are, have been shifting for me, as you know, and I'm going to continue talking more about that in future, um, entries of the diaries. Uh, and so I couldn't help but think to myself, well, maybe this is the year, <laughs> maybe this is the year. Um, I don't know. So yes, so I thought this would be a great time to look at my fertile transit report. And I also figured that this would be a great opportunity to share as um, a teaching tool. So you can kind of hear what my thought process is when I'm looking at these transits. You can see an example of what the fertile transit report actually looks like, um, kind of what the chart can look like, how these, you know, um, transits translate to uh, visually um, how it looks like in our in our charts, uh, how I'm going to navigate those. Um, if I were to use these windows as opportunities to conceive, uh, just, um, you know, stuff like that. Because sometimes I feel like women uh, get these uh, reports, and then it, it might be overwhelming um, 
to navigate, you know, okay, well, what do I do with this information? What if there's a negative uh, transit? Does that mean I shouldn't try to conceive and like all this kind of stuff? So if you're watching the video, you'll see that on the right hand side of the screen is an actual PDF um, of what the literal fertile transit report looks like. So I basically plugged myself into the same format that I use for all of my clients at least as of now, <laughs> the, the report I do, you know, I'm constantly tweaking and, and finding ways to improve the reports just for like readability and clarity and, and things like that and the information that I include in these reports. So as of now, this is exactly what the report looks like if you were to order one for yourself. And then on the left hand side of the screen is um, is actually my chart and the transits uh surrounding it. So um, we'll, we'll probably use the chart as well as a, just as a visual guide for as we go through some of these um, transits. So yeah, so this transit report we're looking at even, uh, yes, the month has passed, but we're going to go from January to December. So basically for the entire year of 2024. Um, and it's kind of nice uh, to look for that the whole year ahead. Uh, this was like a new feature also that I've decided to add when, you know, when you go to order a fertile transit report, you can now um, choose to get one for an entire year, which is really nice, especially because sometimes we just enter into these sticky energetic seasons of life and there aren't a lot of harmonious transits occurring or maybe there's a lot of like karmic stuff coming up um and so sometimes six months months can actually feel like a really narrow window and it's nicer to sort of see um a whole year ahead uh so you'll see on the report that there's instructions uh for use and we'll talk more about the details of that as I go through my report, um, and then there's a key. So when um, I list the transits, there is a plus next to all the favorable transits and a minus next to unfavorable transits. Uh, and then I also have male and female signs for um, the sex prediction. So we'll talk more in detail about that too. So my fertile moon phase occurs at a 313 degree arc. So this is also known as a third quarter moon. Now, when you start tracking your fertile moon phases, you might notice that especially if your fertile moon phase occurs close to a full moon or a new moon, they're a lot easier to keep track of. Like for example, mine tends to occur about, I think three days um, prior to a new moon. So once you see that pattern, you know, it's not going to be uh, very specific, but just as a generalization, now you can be aware, oh, there's a new moon coming up. So three days before then is prob probably when my fertile moon phase is going to occur. So you can see how that can be easy to keep track of. Um, something that's also new to these fertile transit reports is that I started adding the specific time of the exact minute, hour and minute in which the fertile moon phase comes into fruition. And you will notice in the reports that they tend to flop. So they go back and forth between being in a PM time and in an AM time. Um, I think this is just due to the nature of the mathematics of the universe. Um, so you can see my first fertile moon phase of the year was actually on January 7th at 4.30 PM. 
Now, you don't have to make love at the exact moment of your fertile moon phase or anything like that, although it can feel particularly uh, magical if you do. Of course, you know, let's say you have a fertile moon phase that's not at a convenient time, like 4.30 p.m., It looks like all of mine are actually at pretty good times. But sometimes I do reports for women and their fertile moon phases are always at like three in the morning. (laughs) So you don't have to, um, yeah, you don't have to wake up at 3 a.m. and and make love under the stars unless that's your thing and then totally go for it. Um, But it's almost like anticipating the moment of ovulation, okay? So let's say... um, you know, let's say my fertile moon phase was at three in the morning, I might choose to make love with my partner the night before before going to bed, right? And then you kind of set yourself up for that moment to, um, to meet, right? Theoretically, when the sperm would meet the egg in the fallopian tube, you kind of don't want to miss the moment. So it's usually better to attempt to conceive right before the moment of ovulation rather than waiting until after it's already happened because you need to give them time to get in there. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And I believe the egg only has, mm, I think it's 24 to 48 hours after that egg is released from the ovary, you know, like she, she just, she's like, if she, if there's no one there waiting for her, she's like, bye. Um, so you really have to be, uh, on top of that. Yeah. You don't want to, uh, miss that window. I think, I really think you have like three days max. I think it's like two days after ovulation. Um, you know, cause once she gets further down into the fallopian tube, it's like, it's, it's over. You missed your, you missed your window. She's not waiting. <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing with the fertile, um, lunar window, although it's not quite as exact, right? Because this is, these, this is like a, an energetic, cosmic, mystical experience. And there's, there's obviously debate about what exactly is happening during the fertile the lunar fertile window, right? Like, are you actually ovulating twice? Um, Like what, what is, what is going on there? And I I think, I I think I've discussed this further in previous episodes, so I won't get too much into the theories now, but um, yeah, it's a, there's, because it's a little bit more of a mystical experience uh, and it's not as mechanical, right? As physiological conception um, based on hormones and ovulation, there's a little bit more wiggle room and we're going to be doing some more case studies on the podcast this year as well so that we can explore um, what it really looks like when women conceive under their lunar fertile windows and um, what kind of factors are at play there. And then we can kind of speculate from there what what we might think is going on, right? So anyway, what am I saying? Yeah, you want to... um, Get ahead of the experience if you can, but there's also a little bit of a window afterwards as well. So January 7th at 4.30 p.m. So if I wanted to, I could have made love the day before. I could. I would say that you could even make love that evening, right? At, at, technically after that peak moment, and it would still totally count as being um, within your lunar fertile window. Uh, the moon at that point for me was in Sagittarius, and you'll notice I've also now included this um, kind of little footnote in the chart where it actually outlines exactly which degree the moon is in, um, because as as you know, if you've been listening for a while, uh, the 
the moon's placement is going to influence the sex, not in terms of where the moon was at the moment that you made love, but where the moon was at the moment of conception. So again, if you're making love and then the moment of conception doesn't happen until like 24 hours later, the moon might no longer be in the so- that, that sign that it was in when you were actually making love. Does that make sense? So for example, okay, on January 7th um, at 4.30 p.m., my fertile moon phase, the moon is in Sagittarius, but the moon is at zero degrees Sagittarius. So if you look on the left-hand side of the video, if you're watching the video, you can see the moon is right there. Like, like just, it's minutes into Sagittarius. So that makes this moon phase an extremely strong opportunity to conceive a boy. Because now I have two and a half days of the moon being in Sagittarius before it it crosses over into Capricorn, which is an earth sign, which means that a girl would be more likely to conceive. Okay, so this is a really good opportunity. It's it's probably not you're you're probably not going to conceive more than two and a half days like after that that moment, right? Um, so this is a strong opportunity to conceive a boy and actually look at my transits that month, right? I had Venus conjunct the ascendant, Jupiter trying Venus, Mars trying Venus. These are all extremely positive and supportive, um, aspects to facilitate conception. And then even my partner. So Alex had really amazing. I mean, look at this. This was such a good, if, if, if this was for a client and this client was like, oh my God, I've had like four girls. We want a boy so bad, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, oh my God, January 7th, you're doing it. (laughs) It's like such a strong window. Um, yeah. So Alex had Mars sextile as ascendant, Mars conjunct the natal moon, Mars trine, natal Jupiter. Um, so just a, a note too, when you're, this is like, I'm, I'm wording, I'm wording, my wording here is very specific. So look at my transits, right? Jupiter trine the natal Venus. So that means Jupiter transiting Jupiter, Jupiter that is in the cosmos currently, or at least at that day, January 7th is trining your natal Venus. Okay. Does that make sense? So Jupiter is in his doing his thing in in current present time. And it's trining the point in the the skies where your Venus was at the moment of birth, natal Venus. Okay. So um, I, I I say that because you can't look at like the current, like if you opened up a chart for today and Jupiter in the sky today was trining Venus also in the sky today, that's not the same as what we're looking at here. Okay, so we're looking at how the transiting planets uh, interact with the natal planets in your chart. Okay, so just want to make that clear. So January would have been an amazing month for us, especially if um, we were trying to conceive a boy, which we're not actively trying to do necessarily. Um, But yeah, there's that. Okay, so let's move on. February 6th. uh, February 6th ends up not being so great. <laughs> February 6th, um, 7.54 a.m. is when I have my fertile moon phase at that point. So this would be a great day to have morning sex. Um, again, you can have sex the night before uh, as well, or you can have sex February um, 6th that evening. It, it, it will all fall within the window, right? Um and I'm we, I, that just made me think about how, okay, we're going to have to do an episode about 
that because there's also the issue of male sperm count dropping with subsequent, you know, deposits. <laughs> okay. So we'll have to talk about that too, how to optimize that. So, okay. Moon and then my moon is in Capricorn. So again, this would mean that it would be a girl, but more, most likely to be a girl. And again, the moon is at zero degrees in Capricorn. So a strong opportunity to conceive a girl. Uh, and the trans, but the transits this month were not so exciting. Jupiter is still trining natal Venus. Um, Jupiter transits last a long time, right here. Let me update my chart. Oops, that's annoying. Let's do it this way. Uh, let me update my chart to reflect this. February 6th. Okay. Um, at 7.54. 54 a.m. Let's update that. Okay, so that's what's going on here. So, oh my God, but then we have this. So this is this is the shit show right here. So, okay, so we have zero moon at zero degrees in Capricorn. So see, look, okay, she has all that time to play in Capricorn before entering into Aries, which would be a sign that would influence the birth of a boy. So another, again, strong opportunity to conceive a girl. Jupiter, where's Jupiter? Over here in Taurus, right? Remember, Tor Jupiter is only going to be in Taurus. I, he's going to be scooting out of Taurus pretty soon because there's no more Jupiter retrogrades, right? And then he's going to enter into Gemini and that's going to be a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, so Jupiter is there trining natal Venus. Because he moves slower, he tends to um, be a very... Uh, favorable transit for us because whenever he's hitting your chart right he's going to be there for a while but look at this clusterfuck so the moon entering into capricorn at zero degrees right look at these planets that i have there i have uranus saturn and neptune all conjunct in my second house if you saw my diary entry about what happened during mercury retrograde you know what this means <laughs> so um, Neptune is not really a factor in terms of fertility astrology, but Uranus and uh, Saturn absolutely are. So this moon, this conjunction, I mean, the moon is like directly over practically Uranus and Saturn. So those count as two separate unfavorable transits. Um, and then my partner didn't have anything interesting going on during this month. So this month is a lot weaker. Um not as favorable. Okay. Now I have some women that sometimes ask me, you know, like, what do I do if there's a negative transit? Like, do I just avoid this month like the plague? And here's the thing. The point of me giving you these fertile transit reports is not so that I am not trying to exercise control over when you decide to conceive, right? This is more about you working with cosmic energies and giving, you know, participating in fully informed consent when you're planning your cosmic conception. So you might look at this and say, well, you know, moon conjunct natal Uranus, moon conjunct natal Saturn. Those are tough, right? Those might be tough positions, but I also have trying, um, Jupiter trining my natal Venus. And that is obviously a very positive, harmonious um, transit. So what's the worst that could happen here? The worst that could happen here is you just don't conceive, right? Moon conjunct natal Uranus and Saturn is not necessarily like, it, it's not the transit of miscarriage, which we're going to talk about what that is, right? But um, in, in my later months. But th this is just disharmonious energy. So if you had a month where you had nothing but disharmonious energy, um, 
energies working against your fertility, it just you can go for it. Like you can totally go for it. It just might not happen for you. And now you know why, right? Like there doesn't have to be all this fear around like, oh, I'm infertile. I'm broken. Uh, like, no girl, you're just like flowing in the cosmic sea. <laughs> right. And like sometimes, sometimes the energies are working with you and sometimes they're, you know, working against you a little bit. It's like swimming upstream. So it's not necessarily that something bad is going to happen. It's just about being aware of what um, natural forces are at play so that we can, you know, again, dance within them with our fully informed awareness and consent. Does that make sense? I don't want you guys to fear these things, right? Otherwise, then I'm not not any better than the gyno who tells you you're infertile or the naturopath who tells you you're deficient and you need to like swallow a bottle of pills every day, right? We're not I'm not we're not we're not using these tools to create fear. We're using these tools um, to dance and to play and to create uh, a sense of cosmic curiosity and empowerment. La la la. Okay, let's move on. I think you get it. March 6th. (laughs) March 6th is my next um, fertile moon phase. And so now we're back in the PM, 7.31 PM. Moon in Capricorn. So moon is in Capricorn again this time, but look at this. The moon is going to be at 29 degrees in Capricorn, right at the border of crossing over into Aquarius. So this is a very weak opportunity to conceive a girl. If we were to make love on March 6th at 7.30 p.m. or right before bed, right in that window, um, there's a good opportunity that the moon is going to cross over into Aquarius by the time we actually conceive and therefore we could be more likely to expect a boy. All right. So again, weak opportunity um, here. And and remember, these are windows, right? It's just like ovulation. Like, yes, there's the moment of ovulation, but then there's a window uh, that occurs. So um, you could always take advantage of this March 6th date, but use your moon tracking app to wait until moon crosses over into Aquarius and then take advantage of that. And you'll probably still be within your lunar fertile window. Okay, we have a lot of really positive transits occurring this month. So Venus conjunct the natal north node, Venus trinatal moon, Venus trinatal Jupiter, so much Venus action happening here. And Jupiter is still going to be trying my natal Venus um, during this month. And my partner also has a very harmonious transit with Mars sextiling his natal sun. So you can see how um, Venus plays a huge role in female fertility. And of course, naturally, Mars plays a huge role in male fertility. Um, The the transits you want to look for for men are pretty much exclusively having to do with Mars, except they are also impacted by Jupiter conjunct the natal moon. Um, But of course, that is going to be more rare, right? Because Jupiter moves so slowly through the chart. I'm interrupting this conversation for just a minute to ask you if you 
too are interested in tuning into the frequency of your cosmic fertility to potentially call in your conscious conception using the power of fertility astrology and the fertile moon phase, then you might be interested in the fertile transit report. Okay, this offering is an amazing way to access this knowledge without having to do any of your own calculations or even know anything about your natal chart. You can select any six-month or 12-month period, and I will provide a PDF that will equip you with what you need to know to have your next cosmic conception. Okay, this document is going to contain your fertile moon phase, both by name and arc degree, your lunar fertile windows down to the minute of your exact fertile moon phase, all relevant fertility transits taking place during each lunar fertile window for both you and your partner, knowledge of any unfavorable transits that may interfere with a successful conception or pregnancy, as well as karmic activations that might impact your path to motherhood. There's also the option to include the sex prediction for each fertile moon phase and its strength of influence. If this sounds like something that would be supportive to you and your fertility journey, you can tap the link in the show notes or visit wildwillingwisdom.com slash offerings. Okay, back to the episode. All right, the next um, fertile moon phase here is April 5th at 5.44 p.m. The moon is going to be in Pisces and the moon is going to be at six degrees in Pisces. So this is another strong opportunity to conceive a girl, right? There's a, at that point, the moon's probably still going to be in Pisces for like two days. Um, so that's an opportunity for a girl, but tricky, not, not great transits. Okay. So let's talk about this. So Venus is going to be in my fifth house, which is great, but Saturn is going to be squaring the natal moon. So let's update my chart. Let's update the chart over here. Okay. So April 5th. So you can take a look at this because this is annoying. This transit is annoying. Okay. Five, um, 44 PM. Um, okay. Where is he? You see this? I just clicked on him. You see this? This is Saturn. This is Saturn and Pisces. Causing trouble. Squaring my natal moon. And because Saturn is so freaking slow, he's pretty much going to be there. Is he going to be there till the end of the year? Saturn square, Saturn square, Saturn square. I'm looking at my own chart here. Saturn square. Sat- yep. Oh my God. Saturn square. Saturn. Okay. Saturn is basically there <laughs> for the rest of 2024. The rest of 2024. Now, again, this is not end all be all, um, but it is challenging, right? Saturn is very cold. He's a malefic planet. He makes things difficult. Um, and well, these are generally his shadow aspects, right? Saturn can also bring a lot of positive uh, structure into our lives. Uh, lots of wake up, wake up calls, which we've talked about on this show, especially regarding tra- uh, Saturn return babies. But this particular uh, square to the natal moon is very, it's hard on the womb space, right? Uh, and again, some people might not feel this at all. Uh, this is not destiny. This is just a mirror into what we are experiencing on, on the earth plane. Um, 
So it's something to be aware of too, because maybe uh, I notice that I have more difficulties with my cycle when this transit gets activated. Maybe my cycles get shorter. Uh, maybe I have a harder time keeping my womb warm and I have to be more diligent about things like wearing socks and applying castor oil packs, uh, visiting the sauna more, um, things like that, right? Like keep making sure that the womb space is kept warm and the blood is kept flowing. So these might some things be some things that I would want to pay attention to, which are all great practices anyway, just for women's health and also especially for fertility. So that's um, a very annoying transit that is coming into play for me in April and will be there for throughout the rest of the year. Um, I'm not really sure how far into 2025 that's going to go. But this particular fertile moon phase, April 5th, right, when the Saturn square gets initiated is also when the eclipse portal is open. So the eclipse portal is going to be activated March 23rd, 2024 to April 10th, 2024. So I'm going to have a moon phase right um, towards the end of this portal. Um, Now, the eclipse portals are typically portals in which we do not want to be conceiving. Um, There's, I I have a Eclipse Season 101 episode out uh, on the podcast. So if you want to listen to that, I think we talk more in detail about that, the, the lore of eclipses, what eclipses are, why we might not want to conceive during an eclipse season. But of course, it's up to you. And if, you know, circumstances feel really, um, like, you know, vibrant and empowering for you, and you have other favorable transits, or maybe you just don't buy into eclipse uh, superstition, Um, you know, that that's all up up to you how you want to navigate those portals. The eclipse portals are also very activating uh, in terms of our karma, uh, karmic paths, karmic contracts, dharmic paths, right? Uh, And sometimes our conceptions are actually quite entangled with those paths. And that might even be very evident based on the other placements in your natal chart. So you never know, this might be something where like, an eclipse portal might even, you know, trigger a a conception if it's if it's really um, closely tied into that uh, journey for you. So again, this is this information is here so that you can make your own informed decisions. But it is taught um, traditionally in fertility astrology not to try to conceive when an eclipse portal is activated. Um, and of course, you know my partner has amazing uh, transits during this window as well. But I think if it were me, I would personally not want to use this window as an opportunity to conceive. I would just be like, no, 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 no. I, I'm <laughs> I use my eclipse portals for other kinds of magic. Okay. This, this is the conception is not where that's not my opportunity. Um, for that, for me. <laughs> so that's just how I would, I would choose to navigate it. Um, and then, oh, and then it's also, you know, it's it's nice to be aware of the eclipse portal as well because, you know, maybe you uh, you you might also have physical ovulations occurring during this eclipse portal, right? So the eclipse portal energy is not just it is not just applied to the fertile moon phase, right? It's the the, the whole portal is a, is a window through which you may not want to choose to conceive, whether that's um, with hormonal a hormonally based ovulation or a lunar based ovulation or whatever, you know, goes on there. So, 
So yeah, it's nice to be aware of that whole portal. Okay, my next fertile moon phase will be on May 4th at 1254 p.m. The moon is going to be in Pisces. The moon, so it's kind of interesting the way the math worked out because the moon my, the moon is in Capricorn two to two two windows in a row and then in Pisces twice in a row. Um, but yeah, the second moon in Pisces is at 27 degrees in Pisces. So again, weak opportunity to conceive a girl. You might want to wait until if you're really set on a boy, it might not be a good window for you or you might want to wait until after, yeah, Pisces, uh, the moon enters into the next sign, which will be Aries, which is fire, fire sign. So a boy would be more likely. This month also doesn't have great transit. So basically April and May for me is just like, like not a great time, right? I still have the Saturn squaring my natal moon going on, of course, as it will be all year. And moon is going to, the moon is also going to be squaring natal Uranus. Like these are like very challenging like placements, like not super fun. Um, but then I have Venus sextile natal Jupiter, which is like, okay, cool. She's like helping out a little bit. Then my partner has nothing. So just like generally cosmically kind of like, ugh, and like boring. Then we get into June. June 2nd, 6.59 p.m. uh, Moon is in Aries. Moon is at 25 degrees Aries. Again, like kind of like, you know, just so you know, there's, there's 30 degrees total in every sign, right? So when we're talking like 25 degrees, 23 degrees, 27. Like these are all like the moon is like at the tail end of, of passing through these signs. So another weak opportunity to conceive a boy. Um, but I do have Venus. I will have Venus in the seventh house at that point, And Venus will be conjunct my natal moon. Still have that Saturn square going on. Um, and then, so here's another important note. So this, I include these notes in your fertile transit reports as well, okay? Because it's it's one thing to know when Mars is conjunct your natal moon, which is the transit of miscarriage, but you also have to anticipate it, right? So if I were to get pregnant in June, this June conception would experience uh, a Mars moon conjunction during the first three months of my pregnancy. Now, the the, fir- the trimester, uh, the first trimester of the pregnancy is very like mysterious and uh, I don't want to say dark time, but you do feel like you're kind of like walking into the woods without a light, right? Like there's the mystery of getting pregnant. If you're one of those women who doesn't use pregnancy tests, you're kind of walking between these worlds like, oh, I could be pregnant. Am I pregnant? Am I just late? Um, So there's a lot of mystery and excitement around that. And then of course, there's also the innate, you know, fears around, um, well, what if, I lose this pregnancy or what if I don't make it to the third trimester? And everyone says third trimester, but like really, I, I think that's quite broad. I, I personally think the pregnancy becomes more um, solidified and stable when the placenta begins taking over. The placenta it matures to a certain point where now the placenta is taking over the the responsibility of generating hormones that will facilitate and support the pregnancy. So I've said this before, um, if you are actually trying not to get pregnant and you are interested in using herbal medicine and wisdom to release a pregnancy and you don't want to have to enter into the system or work with pharmaceutical uh, drugs, um, it's really important to make that decision before you enter into the eight 
to 10th week of pregnancy because around that time is when the placenta is going to start, is going to reach maturation and take over the production of um, the pregnancy hormones. So you, if you're working with um, the transit of fertility and you don't want that transit to interfere with your pregnancy, it would be ideal not to get pregnant um, in a season when that transit will occur during those first eight to 10 weeks, right? I hope that made sense. Um, my partner's transits will be has good transits at that time, though, as well. June, Mars, trinatal, moon, Mars, conjunct, natal, sun. So now we get into July, right? July, here's a here's a time, July at 1.05 a.m., July 2nd at 1.05 a.m. is my July fertile moon phase. So again, you can make love the night before that. You can make love the morning after. Um, the moon is going to be in Taurus, but it's going to be at 23 degrees in Taurus. So again, like kind of a weak opportunity to conceive a girl, although 23 degrees, you're getting closer to it being like kind of like so, like now you're getting, and maybe there's like a, I don't know, 40% chance. I shouldn't pretend that I know how to do math off the top of my head. It's weaker. <laughs> it's a weaker opportunity to conceive a girl. My transits are also not looking great. Jupiter is in the seventh house. Woohoo. But then I still have that Saturn square moon going on, of course, all fucking year. Moon is square, squaring the natal Mars, which is challenging. And then um, again, a July conception would mean that I would experience a Mars moon conjunction in the first months of pregnancy, like maybe two months. So this now we're getting into sticky territory, right? So here it is, um, July 31st at 8.21 a.m., is another fertile moon phase. The moon is in Gemini, 21 degrees Gemini. So again, kind of like an eh opportunity to conceive a boy. Uh, lots of amazing transits. Actually, moon conjunct natal Jupiter, Jupiter conjunct natal moon. Jupiter is going to be in this my seventh house. Um, oh, so this must be when Jupiter enters into Gemini. This, this Jupiter, yeah. So my seventh house is ruled by Gemini. So Jupiter, when Jupiter makes the switch into Gemini, it's going to be activating um, my partnership actually, which could be a really uh, expansive part of our fertility journey. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, so Venus sextile natal Jupiter and then Venus sextile natal moon. These are all, so one, two, three, four, five, six harmonious fertility transits occurring for me at the end of July, um, despite the Saturn square natal moon, which probably in this month will definitely not even matter because look at all that other amazing stuff going on. But then we have, you know, a July 31st conception would experience a Mars moon conjunction in the first weeks of pregnancy. So Mars is actually going to be exactly conjunct my natal moon between August 6th and August 21st. And I believe that's using, I use a seven degree orb. So that's quite a window. That's like basically almost a full month of like challenging energy coming from Mars, the kind of challenging energy that can trigger a, a miscarriage um, under the right uh, circumstances, right? It's not the only thing, but it, it does. I've seen it. And I, I can't imagine that it's just a coincidence. Like, oh my God, you guys, like Mars could be anywhere else in the chart. So I've seen it happen. <laughs> he has input on this, right? Um, 
And again, it's not the only thing that can cause a miscarriage, of course, but it is a cosmic uh, influence. So ideally, I would be more comfortable getting pregnant in June because by that point, I'm probably going to be beyond 10 weeks pregnant when that conjunction happens. Um, And that would feel a lot more comfortable to me in terms of not having to be up against that kind of uh, force, right? Uh, But if I miss that opportunity in early June, then it's probably not favorable to be conceiving over the summer. I would probably want to wait until my next fertile moon phase, August 29th, because that is when Mars is going to leave that conjunction. It's going to leave that conjunction a couple days prior. And Mars is like, you know, Mars takes about, unless he's retrograding, I believe he takes about two and a half years to go around the chart. So once I get through this conjunction, then I don't have to worry about it again, right? For like almost three years. Um, So that's what's kind of nice about Mars. Uh. So yeah, this summer is looking a little bit sticky. It's like the year starts off so strong with January, January, right? And then um, actually Mars is in it. March is an amazing month as well. And then we enter into eclipse season and then we enter into these kind of like lukewarm garbage transits. <laughs> and then we enter into like, okay, now we're getting close to this, you know, transit of miscarriage, which is like, I just don't even want to like, have that like no thank you so yeah so then then oh so so then we come into september so let's see what's going on so oh my god and then eclipse season (laughs) and then eclipse season because eclipse the eclipse portal opens like so early this year the eclipse portal opens september 15th to october 4th that's a bummer excuse me september 28th 7 29 a.m fertile moon phase moon is in leo moon is at 18 degrees leo so this is like a this is like i don't know i need a word that's like between weak and strong because it's it's like it's like a lukewarm opportunity (laughs) to conceive a boy kind of maybe you'll conceive a boy right 15 degrees is the halfway point between a sign so at 18 degrees in leo the moon's still going to be there for like maybe a day 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 and a half um lukewarm opportunity to conceive a boy i have jupiter conjunct natal moon jupiter in the seventh house venus trinatal jupiter and then but the eclipse portal is open alex has a good transit that month too mars sextile natal jupiter Ugh. but you guys once i get through that <laughs> once i get through the second eclipse portal of the year then we got some good stuff coming. Then it gets juicy again. Then we got October 28th, moon in Virgo, 18 degrees Virgo. So, oh my God, look at this. October, the moon is at 18 degrees in Virgo. In November, the moon is going to be 18 degrees in Libra. December, the moon is going to be at 18 degrees in Scorpio. This is so funny because it really speaks to that episode I did about how like, oh my God, this is what happened with fauna and I'm never going to call in a specific sex again. And now I have all these lukewarm transits because you know, you know me, you guys, like it, I say that I'm, I'm not going to plan for a sex, but then I'm totally going to end up looking at the chart and the moon and being like, oh, I don't know, maybe it's this. Oh. And like, 
<laughs> and to, to have all these like super lukewarm, I kind of love this for me. I love this for me because like I really actually don't want to know. I don't want to be anticipating a boy or a girl. I think it like changes your relationship with them. Like even in the womb. We should do like a whole story telling experience about that because it's, so, it's such a real thing. It's such a real thing. I love the end of the year for me. This is looking a lot better. October, Jupiter in the seventh house, Jupiter conjunct the natal moon, Venus conjunct the ascendant, all great things. Saturn is still squaring my natal moon, but like whatever, he can fuck off. Like I'll, I'll just deal with it. I know all, all the, the practices and the witchery. And I have all these other positive transits. November 26, 7.33 p.m., moon in Libra, again, 18 degrees, lukewarm opportunity to conceive a boy. How are you supposed to know? But Jupiter is going to be conjunct the natal. Oh, oh, I love this. I forgot because my moon is also in Gemini. Let's let's update the chart. We're going to update October. October 28. Boop. 12, 34 a.m. Oops. Okay, here it is. Look at, look at Jupiter. Look at Jupiter. Seventh house. And I'm going to go through my Jupiter return in 2025. This is very exciting. I feel very excited about this. I think something's going to happen. Jupiter is going to be conjunct my natal moon. October. Jupiter return is coming up for me in the, t- the, oh my God, that's so exciting. Um, November 26th at 7.33 PM. Did I already do this one? Yeah. Oh yes. That Jupiter conjunct the natal moon. December 26th, which is the day after Christmas, which is, oh God. Oh, and then Chiron's going to go direct though. It's going to be another like, who. December 26th, 4.25 p.m. Last fertile moon phase of the year. Moon is going to be halfway through Scorpio. Lukewarm opportunity to conceive a girl. The transits are amazing. Jupiter in the seventh house. Jupiter conjunct the natal moon. Venus conjunct natal north node. Venus trine natal moon. Like, look at that. Jupiter and Venus are like holding it down. Okay. So you guys... What is the conclusion? The conclusion is I missed this amazing window in January. Whatever. We're in February right now. Oh, my fertile moon phase is going to be in a couple days. I just ovulated too. I ovulated on in bulk. Isn't that cool? I love when shit like that happens. Okay, but we're obviously not going to try to have a baby this month. It's like a knife. It's like a knife sinking in. Okay. March is a great month, but that's not going to happen. This is too soon. You know what I think is going to happen? My partner has some incredible dharmic activations going on right now. He has stuff going on with his Jupiter return and his Mars return. There's something else. There's something else happening in his chart too. I don't have a lot of karmic. I don't have a lot of activations. I, I have this Jupiter stuff that's coming up. With the seventh house, and like I said, Jupiter is going to, I'm going to have a Jupiter return in 2025, but like I already went through like a big, last year was my Saturn 
conjunct my natal north node experience. And that was the pivot that you witnessed me navigate into fertility astrology and this like awakening into my cosmic witch era was north node conjunct, no, Saturn conjunct my natal north node. That was a whole thing. I don't have anything else going on like that this year again, like I said, until I experience my Jupiter return. So, so like, oh man, the transit reports I did for you, some of you ladies, the beginning of this year, it was like so much karmic stuff going on. So many activations with the nodes. This don't do not take this underestimate this stuff because it was some, we, we get so like we think that the the conception is all about us and it's all about our fertility and it's like it's all about like timing sex and all this stuff you guys come on <laughs> there's if, if i've learned anything from my journey to my second baby it is that it is so much bigger than that it is like it not for everyone okay sometimes not but you know it can it can be so much bigger than that do not underestimate your karmic activations in these charts, these big transits. I, I don't put them necessarily in the fertile transit report, but I write them into your emails that I send you. So like if I see something going on with your nodes, Saturn returns, anything like that, like I'm totally letting you guys know because they're relevant. They're relevant to big shifts that are happening in your life that might directly impact um, your ability to call a child into, into your world. So yeah, don't underestimate them. Um, I'm feeling based on my partner's chart and this, what we just went through today, that we have some stuff. We obviously still have progress to make. We have ducks to put in order. We have like literal, like Saturnian related, um, things to be concerned about. We, we are still in the process of securing housing. Um, it's like a whole thing. So I'm, I'm wondering if this is how I would like the year to go. It never looks like what I want it to though. So it's fine. If it does, it's fine. But this is what, how I would like the year to go. I would like the early quarter of the year to bring forth this next manifestation in regards to our housing and as soon as that happens, you know we're going to be in like – so many things are going to shift because now we're actually going to have like – yeah, so many things are going to shift. We're going to enter into the season of like actually preparing our physical bodies in a more um, serious way to – conceived. And it would be nice to actually spend the spring, summer doing that while all of this sticky shit in my chart is sorting itself out, right? And then like towards the end of the year, we have these amazing opportunities. Like as soon as that eclipse portal portal closes, it's like so much great stuff is happening. Um, and then I'm going to be, I would be pregnant during my Jupiter return. Like how appropriate is that? So much abundance. Ah, this is really great. Very cool. Um, I hope this was entertaining for you. <laughs> I hope it kind of gave you um, an example of how we can approach our transits, how we can navigate them, how we can use them as a cosmic mirror um, to show us sort of the patterns and themes that are playing out in our lives and how it can be fun, right? And it's not about um, sentencing ourselves to imminent infertility and miscarriage and um, 
yeah, any of that kind of kind of stuff. Uh, this is supposed to be about cosmic co-creation and it should be fun. And if it's not fun and it feels very pathological and it gives you something to worry about, then it's okay. Maybe this is not the tool for you, right? You, I, I want you to have ease and joy in your preconception journey. I want you to have less pathology, okay? Um, so yeah, just something for you to consider and know uh, about yourself so that you can establish the boundaries that are right for you. Um, okay, that's all for now. And I'll talk to you guys next time I check in. Okay, women, that's all for today. Again, if you want access to some of these goodies going on behind the scenes, if you want to be able to get into the podcast bonus material, if you want to be able to access my Ask Me Anything feature, if you want to peer into the details of my cosmic conception journey through the diaries, then please consider clicking the link in the show notes to become a paying subscriber for $8 a month. See you next time.